What London Can Be is brought to you by London Community Foundation, an organization dedicated to improving communities across London and Middlesex County. Welcome to What London Can Be, the podcast where we navigate our shifting world, shine a light on the issues our city is facing, and explore the innovative Made in London solutions to critical challenges in our community. I'm Diane Silva, Director of Philanthropy at London Community Foundation, and today I'll be speaking with Stephen DeMelio, President of Pride London. With National Pride Month beginning today on June 1st and London's own Pride Festival fast approaching in July, I'm excited to have him on the show today to talk with us about Pride and the LGBTQ2 community in London. Hi Stephen, how are you? I'm well, how are you doing? I'm good. Can't complain. <laughs> but uh, it's really good to have you on the show. I'm uh, excited to have you here. And um, just for our listeners, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to be uh, to get involved with Pride London. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, so, um, obviously, my name is uh, Stephen Demelio. I was originally born in uh, Toronto, Ontario, um, and uh, I moved uh, with my father to Strathroy, uh, which is just outside of London, uh, and actually is holding their own Pride Festivals now, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I got involved in Pride at a young age, actually. Um, I moved to the, the city of London here in uh, 2001 and uh, got connected with the Pride organization, which apparently was just starting out uh, at that time. Um, and it was just a, a, a great sense of belonging and a great sense of community um, and a place for me to connect with people that were like myself. And I just had not had that before. That's really nice. And um, and so you're the new executive director, relatively new. How long have you been in your role, just so our members know, uh, with Pride London? Yeah, so I was elected in November of 2020 for the position of president. Sorry, right, president. Um, yeah, and so could you tell us about Pride London and what your group has planned for this year's festivities? Yeah, well, Pride London has uh, had a rich history dating all the way back to the foundation of, of Halo. Um, and so this year, our big plans is to ensure um, that we continue to present some of the big things that people have come to expect, as well as uh, adapt to uh, the virtual world. So we have um, you know, favorite programming like Drag Queen Storytime returning, um, our elegant ensemble, so some great drag entertainment, as well as uh, some new programs, including our, our live edition of Sunday Morning Joy, um, as well as uh, some new interviews going back and speaking to uh, the past presidents and executives of both Halo and Pride London with our legacy interviews. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a lot more planned. That's really nice. And now, given with the pandemic, I'm sure that's impacted the way your group does things, and especially with this event as well. Uh, can you share a little bit about that, how you've had to adapt uh, with the pandemic? Yeah, so adapting to the pandemic, um, I think for every organization has been a challenge. And for us as a brand new board, we've managed to ensure that uh, not only are we continuing the, the fantastic legacy that Pride has built up, but also trying to re-engage our community. Um, and so this year, we 
introduced something brand new called the Pride London Network, um, a video and music streaming platform that is very engaging and is focused on um, highlighting and showcasing our community at its best. Um, and so, as I mentioned before, going back and highlighting our history, so doing those interviews with uh, individuals within our past, as well as focusing on uh, our present and embracing and acting on our future. So it is, it's been a challenge uh, to engage with our membership, but this year we've adopted by, as I mentioned, trying to utilize uh, the virtual space the best way we can. So you briefly mentioned uh, Halo, and I do remember that while I was growing up here in London. Um, and I would love for you to share a little bit more for our listeners here to dig a little bit deeper about the cultural history of the LGBTQ plus community in London. What can you share with us? Well, the community is very broad and um, has had a lot of unique challenges from, as you mentioned, from the original days of Halo. Um, which for anybody that is listening, um, you know, London uh, is, is very significant in the, the uh, movement of Pride and, and trying to represent um, everybody within our community. So, you know, some of the big things that have been really interesting over the years have been uh, the inclusion of uh, our community within the city of London, Ontario. Um, having a building located in the city where we were able to gather, uh, gathering on the side of a, a sidewalk um, to simply show celebration, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, and moving all the way into um, demanding action from our city council and from a mayor at that time in the uh, early to late two, uh, 90s. Um, all the way into um, what may some of us may remember, um, you know, action and changes with the police force and experiencing the chief of police being the grand marshal and having some significant impacts and changes. And of course, our fantastic parade that we now see today. It has been a massive change and a massive challenge to get to that change, but we're, we're not done. Um, and so everybody within our community, you know, lesbians, gays, transgender, bisexual, uh, you know, intergender, um, intersex, uh, there, there's a lot. Um, and I'm just, as I, as we talk on, on, on our umbrella, there is a lot that we have not paid attention to over the years. And that as an organization, that's our calling to highlight those voices, to highlight those experiences and to bring new change, uh, upon them. So that's what we're really looking forward to, but that history is very rich. And uh, we're extremely excited to bring that history to light um, and to highlight it with our partners this year. Very nice. And you, and I'm glad you did briefly explain the different um, groups within the umbrella. And you're right, the umbrella has continued to grow, right? And it's a very diverse group of identities under one single banner. And how has that helped prog? progress for your cause? Has it been problematic in any way or has it been difficult or has, if you could shed some light around this for us? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I will say when it comes to, uh, I like to call it our, our umbrella, our rainbow umbrella. Um, and it is, some people um, feel like, you know, sometimes there's maybe too many uh, of our groups or too many individuals represented uh, in our groups. And, and to that, I simply say there's strength in numbers. Um, and so 
there is a difference. Um, you know, there's there's a clarification between um, sexual identity, um, sexual preference, um, and that really just means that we are trying to, as I said, highlight and uplift some of the voices, some of the faces, experiences that were never really recognized before, have existed, but just haven't seen that recognition. Um, and so, for example, over the last just few years within Pride itself, uh, Pride London itself, we have seen uh, two non-binary individuals join our board and make some fantastic differences. And to be quite honest, you know, we did not see that in the past. Um, it doesn't mean that they didn't exist. It just means that um, maybe they didn't feel that there was representation on their on uh, on the board, or um, it just wasn't brought to light. Um, so having that representation, having that representation either in our umbrella or being a visual representation on a board, is impactful. And yeah, there there definitely can be. Um, problems. Uh, you know, with any coalition, you're going to have um, a difference of opinions, a difference of priorities. Um, and so we, we certainly do have that. But I think we all have the same goal, which is to be recognized, respected, loved, and appreciated for who we are. Um, and so I, I am very, very um, hopeful. And I, it, it, is, it honestly feels, it, it kind of swells me up with a bit of um, love, uh, and I hate to sound corny, but when you meet uh, different individuals um, who are really pioneering those movements in our own city, um, for example, we have an individual who's, a, who's a, a fantastic volunteer of our organization who is interested um, in moving the conversation forward, forward Excuse me, on intersex. Um, and that has been something that has been a little bit off our radar as an organization. And so, you know, th those things make me smile, make me happy, because I realize that that's the work that we're, you know, here to do, and that's what we're trying to to highlight. So yes, uh, it is fantastic. It does have its issues, but um, I think, as in any family, as in any coalition, you're going to have a difference of opinion. Sometimes it's just a mattering a matter of trying to ensure that we're all respecting one another, and uh, and working towards that same goal. Right. And would you say in the London community, specifically with the LGBTQ2 plus community, what are some of the big challenges that they're facing and maybe that have been uncovered or in surface with the uh, with COVID-19? Well, there's there's been a, a number of issues um, that have been kind of percolating over the years and under the, the hood, I guess, to, to say. Um, and to be honest, COVID has absolutely um, brought those to light. And I'm specifically thinking of employment issues, um, mental health issues, and policing within our community. Um, those three things have been on, on various levels for various segments of our community, really um, impactful and problematic. So for example, employment. Um, our, our vice president, who is a transgender woman, is someone who is extremely focused on ensuring that that is something we highlight, uh, because employment, unemployment, excuse me, within our community is high. Unemployment within the transgender community is at its highest, um, and so you know it, it. Obviously, within COVID, it has impacted everybody, but trying to get a job 
as somebody who is uh, a visible minority, um, someone who's experienced, um, and and it's 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 heartbreaking to hear that you hear the stories of someone who's massive experience and a fantastic resume and a drive to do the, the best they can, but isn't even looked at, uh, because the moment they maybe hear their voice or um, they see a profile picture, they they turn it down. Uh, mental health obviously has been very. Uh, much front of center of, of everybody this year, uh, including myself, to be honest. Uh, it is something that I think we're all struggling with. Um, and over the years has been problematic for a lot of people in our community. Um, I'm thinking of our uh, BIPOC community, so individuals who identify as uh, Black or Indigenous or uh, people of color. Uh, there, there has been a lot of stress uh, within those communities. And of course, as I mentioned before, it, it goes without saying that we can't physically touch anybody, we can't physically be with anyone. Um, so it's, it is affecting the youth uh, even more as well. And lastly, policing within our community. And I think that everybody is aware that uh, nationally, um, this is a, a bit of a reckoning issue that we're all dealing with and we're all um, having conversations with and how do we speak to one another and how do we uh, get to a point that we're all uh, happy with and we all want to see. So these are some of the main things that I've seen percolate over the uh, the past year and, and a bit. Um, there are many others, but these I think are, are some of the biggest ones that have come up. I'm really glad that you shared that because, um, you know, there's a lot of attention right now and there should be, right? Uh, with the social inequalities that are happening in our community, it's so visible now. And I'm really glad that you shed some light on um, the inequalities and the struggles uh, that uh, people under this umbrella that are experiencing and have been experiencing for a long time. And um, you're absolutely right. So I'm curious to know, what about the Black Lives Matter movement? How does that fit into your conversation or does it? Yeah, so Black Lives Matter is um, obviously being a very impactful, very um, important movement, um, not just obviously here in London, but across our country, uh, across America, across the world. Um, and as you know, as a black man uh, speaking in this position of, of uh, power, it is extremely heartwarming to see uh, our city come out and support uh, such fantastic and such important, and frankly, um, you know, basic uh, calls for respect and, and decency. Um, there are the changes that are being requested, the, the actions that are being looked into by the movement uh, across Canada are really, really important. For our organization, it has been even more important because there is a call to action for organizations like ourselves um, that Black Lives Matter has asked. Um, and we've had conversations, both uh, the previous uh, president and, and now myself have had conversations with um, leadership of Black Lives Matter London here, as well as the leadership of Black Lives Matter Canada. And um, for us, it has been finding the, uh, the balance, the proper balance of ensuring that we are respecting everything uh, that the movement stands for and everything that we try to uh, seek to accomplish together. Um, and that includes things like uh, better policing practices, um, you know, supports for mental health, support for um, community involvement, engagement that doesn't involve, uh, you know, physical situations or, or 
um, weapons that are concerning. Um, there is a large conversation around policing in our festival. And this year, uh, we really wanted to just attack this head on. Uh, so we directly asked our members, uh, you know, what their feelings are. And we feel like as an organization, uh, that is the best way forward for the majority of uh, our actions when it comes to this movement, is to involve our community, to involve our membership, and to get their feedback. Because, uh, you know, even though I am obviously a, a person of color, um, I myself have varying opinions uh, and have difference of opinions on certain things. So I certainly don't speak for our uh, entire community, and I certainly don't speak for all Black people in our community either. But I do think it's important for us as a board, myself included, to have a voice um, and for it to be known. And, and so I will go on record and, and stipulate that I think um, improvements in the police is important, conversations with the police is important for our organization and for uh, Black people in general. I do think the statement of abolishment is something that uh, we've, we've had a bit of a, a, a roadblock in. And so I'm really looking forward to having further conversations to see where we can end up uh, on, a, on a good path moving forward. And that's good. At least you're open, right, to the conversation and to discuss this, because I know historically there's been those tensions uh, between police and with pride. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you're being open to this and hearing that there's progress being made. So uh, what makes a good ally then uh, for the LGBTQ2 plus community? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, tend to look at it as allyship as they have to donate or they have to do something. Um, and, you know, it, it really, yes, it certainly involves those things. Uh, you know, if you'd like to donate to amazing organizations and causes, there are a lot of them out there, um, us included. Uh, but I think, to be quite honest, really people need to look at themselves and, and being able to understand how other people feel. And what I would say is it starts with putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, it starts with before you, um, you know, say, hey, guys, it's taking a, a, um, a step back and being uh, an understanding. Will I offend someone by making that statement um, instead of making a crass or rude comment? Um, it's taking a step back and, and putting yourself in someone else's shoes first. That, I think, is the first step is is you know, getting an understanding of the human side of someone's feelings, uh, thoughts, expressions. And then the next step is education. You know, we all start from a place of ignorance. Um, I am a brand new president in this position, and uh, I am ignorant in a lot of things. Uh, I think it's, it's no harm and, and it's no shame in saying that you don't know something. Um, what is important is, is admitting that, and, and seeking out that, uh, that, that, that information. Um, and there are a lot of amazing resources, as I mentioned, to get that information. So as I said, the first point is, is being able to empathize, being able to understand the other person's positioning. The second part is education and, and educating yourself. Uh, and then the last part is be, be a willing participant, be a willing you know, party to not only be engaging in those conversations, but be willing to bring other people and, and engage into those conversations. That to me is, is those three key pillars of a good ally. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be um, walking down the street with a rainbow flag on yourself, it, it, but it does mean that you, know, you do understand 
why other people feel the need to do that. And you're there to support them in that manner. Uh, and so those three things, as I said, are, are, are the keys to being a good ally. There are many other things, but uh, I think those are the most important. Very good. And are there any groups doing good work in the community that you'd like to highlight? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we as an organization, we are very fortunate. I'm extremely fortunate to be um, in a position where I am connected with so many fantastic organizations. Um, you know, there's an organization by the name of um, Pride Understanding. Um, speaking about education, uh, their sole focus is to engage with individuals who are not part of our community, um, who are not fully um, uh, knowledgeable and may be ignorant on some of these issues. Um, there's organizations like the Rainbow Optimists, um, founded by a former board member, a former president uh, of this organization that focuses on engaging rural youth in our communities. Um, there are amazing national organizations uh, like uh, Reading Rainbow, um, and uh, excuse me, Rainbow Railroad, I apologize, um, which uh, looks to find refugees from other um, countries and that, that unfortunately persecute and uh, dehumanize individuals in our community and bring them here. Um, PFLAG is, is a fantastic organization that work, work, works with uh, parents. Um, there's just so many. Um, there's organizations that we're connecting with recently that are online because everything is now virtual. Um, I'd like to highlight uh, Black Gay Network is another organization that we're going to be uh, doing some work with and they are um, doing some fantastic work within the uh, BIPOC community. I really love that you are highlighting all these other groups that are emerging uh, that are providing supports uh, for people in the LGBTQ2 plus community. And even like for parents, you mentioned PFLAG as well. So where does someone who is struggling with this, be it a parent, um, an individual, or somebody that wants to learn and explore, how do they uncover these resources that you just mentioned, like these, these groups that are doing such great work around advocacy and everything, where do they begin? That's a, another fantastic question. So um, we are in the process of updating our current website. Um, so we're gonna be having some resource listings on there. But in the meantime, um, I would suggest again, some of these other connections. So Rainbow Optimus is a fantastic organization that does look at having some of these resources listed on their website. Um, so you can go to their website as well. And Google, Google is your friend, uh, to be honest. Um, that is, that's, that's a lot of the time for a lot of our um, younger generation where it's kind of fast and easy. But um, the other organization that I'd like to highlight is Pillar. Um, Pillar is a fantastic organization that is great for resources. Um, right across the street from Pillar, uh, which is in downtown London here, is another fantastic organization, Regional HIV and AIDS Connection, or RHAC as they're known sometimes. Both of these organizations, I would, if you're if you're mobile um, or if you would prefer to call them, they both are immensely supportive and immensely resourceful. They have a lot of fantastic connections. Uh, they're connected with us, with a lot of the organizations that I mentioned. Um, and so I would suggest that both of them, if um, the internet is not something you're too fond of you know, searching through um, or you're having some troubles going through some of the sites, 
those two organizations are the ones that I would definitely point towards. And as we grow, uh, we look towards continuing to, of course, improve our resources as well. Amazing. That's great. And finally, what do you think lending can be and how do we get there together? London is, you know, again, coming from, I, I must say, and I, and I, I have to give praise to this city. Um, again, I am from Toronto. So coming here, people, I think, don't give the city enough credit. There is a lot that has happened um, that puts us in a really amazing space. So where we are right now is in a, an amazing spot where we're highlighting, we're, we're showcasing, we're having those conversations. Um, we're looking to continue conversations that are important. What I think is really important for people to understand is even though we are, you know, for, for some of us who were born in the 80s, uh, we are living in 2021, which some, for some of us feels like the Jetsons. Um, it, it, although we are living in the future, we are not quite there. So what I think is really exciting and what we do need to be looking towards is where we can have representation, for example, on our Pride London Festival Board, in banks, in institutions, that looks like our city, that looks like our country. That means having, um, you know, not just a black president, not just a transgender uh, female vice president, but, you know, indigenous voices and representation, non-binary, intersex, um, you know, we need, for example, religious outreach. Um, there is a massive representation that needs to continue to happen. And I think that's what I'm most excited for is seeing the change. Um, and I will make mention of politics. Um, politics has been something I'm very interested in. And this year, what surprised me is that there's an interest from um, candidates and parties that you would not necessarily expect to see interest. And that's what I'm most excited for is the, the legislative action, the actual action that needs to take place. Because we're having conversations on this level is amazing. Having conversations on our community level is, is fantastic and it drives the change that's needed. But really what we need is we need our leadership to do those changes. And so I'm excited to see where the Thames Valley District School Board, for example, is, is having conversations about diversity and inclusion, the police, um, our city council. That's what I'm most excited for, is uh, seeing our upper level drive those changes that, that our community is asking for and looking towards. And so I'm very excited for the future for that. Good for you. I can just feel your passion. And uh, I love this. And you're in a great <laughs> place. Um, I think... Uh, uh, you're perfect for your role. Um, your passion just shines through. And I love how you're making all these connections, not only just locally, but even outreach across the country. That is very smart of you because that is how you really do affect change because you can't just do it all here locally. You need to really drill down to that systemic change, right? With policies. Right. And, yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Um, this has been so nice uh, talking to you. Um and thank you for opening my eyes, and I hope you've opened our listeners' eyes, too, to the realities of um, the Pride community, at Rainbow community, 
And I hope that Londoners will check out the Pride Festival and engage more because uh, this is this is the best time to be doing stuff like this, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time, Stephen. And, and I do look forward to staying in touch with you and uh, having you back on the show. So once again, I, I really want to thank you, Diane. This was an amazing opportunity. It's it's a really privileged to speak to uh, London, the community here. And as I said, it's a, it's a privilege to be in this position. So I, I have to say one more time, please check out pridelondon.ca and pridelondonnetwork.com. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this episode of What London Can Be. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn how to subscribe to this podcast and for more information about today's guest, visit us at lcf.on.ca slash what London can be. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find links on our website. Thank you again for joining us.